Late this afternoon, President Trump touched down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was there to pay his respects to those killed at the Tree of Life Synagogue over the weekend. His wife and his daughter traveled with him. So did Jared Kushner, his son-in-law. There were plenty of people who weren't there, though. The mayor of Pittsburgh refused to appear with the president. Congressmen and senators declined to travel alongside him, too. There were no speeches planned while he was there. No rallies. There were protesters. But before stepping on Air Force One, the president did pop up on television to deliver a message. Not about religious hate, but about immigration. He was speaking to a reporter with the website Axios. Now, how ridiculous. We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years with all of those benefits. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it has to end. Just a fact check here. More than 30 other countries do have what's called birthright citizenship, including Canada and Mexico. It's guaranteed in the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. On immigration, some legal scholars believe you can get rid of birthright citizenship without changing the Constitution. With an executive order. Exactly. Right. Uh, Have you thought about that? Yes. Tell me more. It was always known. A few weeks back, Donald Trump had a clear message going into midterms. This will be an election of Kavanaugh, the caravan. Law and order and common sense. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be... He talked about immigration on Twitter. He talked about immigration at rallies. Watch next week what's going to happen. The president had even been scheduled to give a speech about immigration today. But with the release of this new interview, he seemed to find a way to speak in spite of the Pittsburgh tragedy. So with one week to go until those midterms, can Trump reset the conversation? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Today, we're going to talk to Garrett Epps. He has spent years studying birthright citizenship and the 14th Amendment. He's going to explain whether Trump's plan is even doable. Stay with us. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, let's jump in the time machine for a minute. Back to 2015. Well, I hate to say it, but Donald Trump has a bit of a point here. Uh, When Donald Trump was still just a candidate for president, because he's been talking about birthright citizenship, the fact that anyone who's born in this country can stay here since the very beginning, like at this debate with Rand Paul. A woman gets pregnant. She's nine months. She walks across the border. She has the baby in the United States, and we take care of the baby for 85 years. I don't think so. Candidate Trump uses almost the exact same words as President Trump three years later. The problem is that birthright citizenship is part of the Constitution, the 14th Amendment, which guarantees equal protection for all citizens under the law. Law professor Garrett Epps has written a whole book on this amendment, and he's been tracking how Trump talks about citizenship for years. So this morning, I gave him a call. I had a leisurely day in mind with a few yoga poses, but... uh... 
The academic life is not to be. <laughs> oh, hopefully you can do some yoga poses this afternoon. I think you'll need them. Yeah, that's true. We all could use our serenity. Professor Epps said the idea President Trump floated today, that he might use an executive order to erase birthright citizenship, it got its start over the summer. That's when a former national security official named Michael Anton wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post advocating for the idea. His qualifications to discuss the Constitution are as follows. Oh. And that's about it. <laughs> uh, he, okay, he, he, okay. I feel like, I, like Professor Epps doesn't think Michael Anton actually has any qualifications, but he says Anton and Trump's argument revolves around the meaning of just a few words in the Constitution. The words that you're referring to is subject to the jurisdiction. Subject to the jurisdiction. The 14th Amendment states all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. So they say, well, subject to the jurisdiction means only citizens. They're only citizens are subject to the jurisdiction. Uh, to which my answer is, you know, let's let's test that out. Okay, let's test it out. You're on your way home today in your commute. You get hit from behind by an immigrant who is not a U.S. citizen. And he says to you, look, you know, I don't have to pay you. I don't have to wait for the police. I don't have to make a report because I'm an immigrant. And I'm not subject to the jurisdiction of U.S. law. That's not going to fly. You know, the answer is, yes, you are. You're here. And whether you're here legally or illegally, you are subject to our jurisdiction. You can be arrested. You can be tried. You can be jailed. You can be sued. And that's what those terms mean. There's, there's been this kind of elaborate, you know, what I call Da Vinci Code originalism to say, no, no, they, they didn't mean, when they said subject to the jurisdiction, they meant something else. You know, they meant the secret meaning that I happen to know. Um, and, you know, people should be very suspicious of those claims. And let me also say this is not a left-right issue. I mean, there, there are scholars on the very far right who agree completely with me because it really is just an issue of are you going to be faithful to the text uh, and the original understanding of the Constitution or are you going to change it for political advantage, which is what uh, Trump and the people supporting him are trying to do. You know, a, a few minutes back, we were talking about the arguments in favor of changing our interpretation of the 14th Amendment. And we were laughing. Mm -hmm. And it struck me, like, we can laugh about this stuff, but this seems serious. Well, I laugh about it because this is, this is my world. If you don't laugh, you got to cry. I've been dealing with this nonsense now for more than a decade, and it keeps coming back. It's sort of like, you know, Mickey Mouse in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where you chop the broom into splinters and each splinter becomes another broom. There are people in this country very determined to change the very nature of our republic, to turn us back into something like the antebellum country where we had permanent class, permanent subclasses of non-citizens. Uh, it's very dangerous. I recognize that it's dangerous. You know, the other thing I guess I'd say, we didn't get into this, but I want to. You know, the 14th Amendment isn't just about immigration. It was established to make clear that Black people were full citizens, right? Well, yes and no. I, I think it's very important to understand that, uh, as I say, uh, immigration was very much on the mind of the people who wrote it, and immigration uh, was a much more important subject uh, in the debates over this clause than than was slavery or anything. You know, I know um, Senator Paul made the claim that 
the Fourteenth Amendment only covers former slaves, you know. But that's that that's a very far right claim. It's clearly wrong. Uh, one of the things that the framers of the Fourteenth Amendment was very concerned about were the rights of uh, of immigrants and the rights of people to move state to state, new people in the South, you know, that 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 they could move there and become full citizens. Uh, uh, so that the South would open up and be a democratic country. So in that sense, no, I don't think it. I don't think it's wrong. I think the Fourteenth Amendment was not simply uh, about dealing with the aftermath of the Civil War for African American people. I think the idea behind the Fourteenth Amendment was what one of its uh, proponents called a union of truly democratic states. Uh, that is, that we would open up the systems of the states that had been closed, uh, and to, by race and by nationality and by political rights, and make the country a democratic place where everyone was welcome. So in that sense, I don't think, I think we're just having the same debate that we had in 1866. Hmm. What do you, what do you mean? I think in 1866, people were saying, no, you can't do this. This is a white man's country. We don't want these immigrants in here. We, we, we don't want, uh, uh, racial equality. We don't want Chinese American people. We don't want to afford citizenship to African Americans. We this is a white man's country, you know, as as Andrew Johnson said. And by God, as long as I'm president, it will remain a white man's country. And I think that's the message we're getting from the White House. We really think we've made that little progress. I think we've made progress. But what's amazing to realize about history is how tenuous progress is and how quickly things can slide back. It's funny you say that because when we were going into this interview, I was really divided about it. I was thinking how I feel like such a sucker for doing a show on this today, because in some ways it feels like a political gambit. You know, we're a week out from a big election where President Trump has really been trying to make this about immigration at the same time that this is happening. He's going to Pittsburgh where leaders have said they don't want him there. I feel like I'm being, um, like I'm having to cover something that's a political gambit. I've, I've gotten some comments from folks, you know, in the last couple of hours saying, why are you making such a big deal about this? Is this just another Trumpian uh, uh, distraction from, you know, whatever the real issue they think is? Uh, to which my answer is, no, this is this is part of the main event. This is a fight for the very idea of a democratic nation where everybody belongs. Garrett Epps, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. One more thing I want to mention before we wrap up the show. There are people who see the president's tirades against immigrants as an opportunity. Republicans playing to their base. Democrats hoping the rhetoric is just going to sound too extreme. And at least two defense lawyers in Wichita, Kansas. I saw this story last night. A guy named Patrick Stein was just found guilty for conspiring to bomb a mosque and apartment complex in Kansas in 2016. Prosecutors there are seeking a life sentence. But Stein's lawyers are countering with two arguments. First, that their client was egged on by the FBI working undercover. But secondly that their client was under a kind of spell, that he was deeply affected by the angry screeds of the presidential candidate he ardently supported, Donald Trump. Here's a quote from the sentencing document filed by his lawyers. Trump's brand of rough-and-tumble verbal pummeling heightened the rhetorical stakes for people of all political persuasions. A person normally at a three on a scale of political talk might have found themselves at a seven during the election. 
a person like Patrick, who would often be at a seven during a normal day, might go to 11. Yeah, they actually cited the Spinal Tap movie there. It is a bizarre thing to see in a sentencing document, but it seems so 2018. And that's our show for today. If What Next sounds like a grand experiment, that is because it is. Slate is giving us just three more weeks to play with this form. We're going to be coming to you daily through the midterms. Tell us what you think. Find us on iTunes and leave a rating and a review. It takes a couple minutes, but it helps people find us. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Our engineer is Terrence Bernardo. Special shout out to Slate producer Danielle Hewitt. She expertly read that poem that ended our show yesterday. Talk to you tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.